All right. It has been an amazing kind of whirlwind, and I'm, I'm still, you know, I don't Sabbath well, and I don't rest well, and I'm reading the book downstairs still by it's Mark Buchanan, The Rest of God, How to Restore Your Soul by Restoring Your Sabbath. And, um, and really, it's funny about the zip line because um, it, it was 13 of us, and some were going to stay around the hotel, some were going to do zip line, and you could have gone snorkeling, but the weather was too bad because... I didn't know this, but there's a tropical storm coming in shore of Honduras. I didn't know then at that point. I mean, you know, and um, and so uh, so we couldn't go out snorkeling, and I was going to do that. And I thought, well, I'll just you know, and I wasn't being super spiritual, but I thought I'll just you know stay here and rest. And Thursday night, I was reading the book, and the chapter was about play and how we need to intentionally waste time. And for me, as a utilitarian, it is so hard for me to waste time to just play. And, um, and so instead of going on the zip line, I was going to, you know, kind of probably, and I don't know what I was going to do. I was going to start planning the next 60 days of my life because it's pretty crazy between now and, and January 1st and what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. And so I would have started, you know, working on that, which is restful for me. It's, I enjoy that, but it sure wasn't play. And that, um, read that chapter Thursday night and Friday morning through a series of events. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And, and it was totally, I mean, it was a waste. It was a waste of $45. It was a waste of, you know, uh, you know, four hours in the morning. It was a waste. But it was glorious, and it really helped restore my soul. And I really, that is such a, I don't build margin in my life. You know, do a week-long retreat, come back on Friday, fly out on Saturday, go to Honduras for a week, come back on, on Saturday, teach on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you know, four or five meetings each day, Wednesday, fly to Atlanta, teach on Thursday, do a master's program, you know, speaking Wednesday night to a group of young ladies, teaching on Thursday, I mean, you know. What am I thinking? So, but eventually it'll stop, you know. And so, um, I'm looking for it. So the Lord spoke to me a lot about that. So, um, first, let's, you know, I haven't taught since October 3rd. I feel like it's been forever. And I haven't been in big church in three Sundays. And so I'm really excited about going to church. I'm going to be crazy, I'm sure. I'll probably run the aisles. But, um, but we talked about, you know, my favorite lesson about the triptych. You know, and we had some things we wanted to look at and evaluate our life, and we wanted to quit buying the yucky souvenirs, and maybe we need to rest, stop more. I probably need to listen, you know, to my myself again on that. Um, any anybody have anything that came from that when you were um, thinking about that? Um, burn the ships, you know. No more going back. Work on your testimony. We don't have to have anything. So this week we're doing um, Psalm, one thir- Psalm 119, verses 113 through 120. And um, it is, uh, we're getting toward the end here. I mean, we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more weeks still in this. And I love it. I've been doing Psalm 119 since when? May? June? I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, just doing each Hebrew letter. And so let me read Psalm 119, 113 through 120, and we'll get started. I hate the double-minded man. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live. And let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. The lesson today is I want us to really look at the word of God can speak to you. 
that we can personally hear the God speak to us as we study his word, even in the middle of, it doesn't matter where you are, what passage of scripture are, that God can speak to you specifically for what your needs are. And, um, and that's kind of what I did this morning when I was, you know, I've been reading this, you know, as I share with you most of the other ones, when I read the, those Hebrew letters, the Lord just immediately gave me an outline for each one of those things. This one, I didn't get an outline. I wasn't, I'm no download here. I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, you know, <laughs> Sunday's coming, you know, anytime you want to feed me, it would be really great. And um, so continue process through and looking at it. And so this, as I settled in this morning with him, um, he just said, let's just walk through each verse and let me speak to you about each one. And I want to encourage you in this because you guys can do the same exact thing and the Lord can really speak to you and apply it and something important in, in your life. Number one, verse 113, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And what, what David is talking about here is he hates, in the King James, it talks about vain thoughts. And it talks about that double-mindedness, the sin, the hypocrisy that you see in this world. And my point that the Lord spoke to me about that was to, we need to grieve over the things that grieve God. We need our hearts need to break over the things that break for God. So grieve over the things that grieve God. You know, do we really hate the sin in the world? Do we really have our heart broken for the things of God? Hillsong United has a psalm that says, Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Is a heart really broken? And even just in Honduras this week, and this is probably, and I don't know, I've been going on mission trips since I was, since, I, since 93, pretty regularly, and I've been to a lot of third world countries, and I've been to most of them have been to third world areas, and um, in Ghana and El Salvador and San Salvador and um, Honduras, Romania and Russia and New Orleans. I mean, that was my first trip was to New Orleans. So, um, lots of poverty, you know, and I probably was a little. I wasn't shocked at the the poverty that I the, the that we saw and lack of hygiene, lack of sanitation this this past year. In this past week, and I don't know if that was good or bad. I mean, it wasn't. Um, it was a different experience as opposed to because I haven't been. In, I haven't been on a trip probably in about three years, and so um, I wasn't shocked by that. And so when I was, I was thinking about this, Lord, does it grieve me? And of course, it took me to. I want us to go to Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Interesting passage, especially because I just built a well, so it makes me feel good. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then we will sit at his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another. Shepherd separates, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did you see you as a stranger and welcome you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? 
Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You know, we become, especially even in our, in our proper, prosperous, you know, first world country that we live in. You know, we drive down the street and we see the homelessness and we see the poor and we, and we really, do we really reach out and extend it? And our heart is really grieved over that sin. You know, we watch TV and some of the stuff that's on TV, it's sin. And do we entertain ourselves with sin? I mean, I'm first, I think I've talked, I mean, CS, I love CSI. And all those, you know, NCIS and all those things. I love all those things. But so much of that, it's about murder and death and wicked things that happen and, and solving the crime. And I entertain myself with what Jesus died on the cross for. You know, do I really grieve over the things that grieve the heart of God? And when I really look at it, is this really going to matter? Or is there other things that, that I, I grieve over other things? You know, I grieve over more of a, a baseball team losing, possibly. Except Baylor Bears! Woohoo! Baylor Bears! I know, and the Rangers, and how about Josh Hamilton, he brought it, you know. But anyways, besides that. I know, exactly, yeah, a little intermission there. A little lighten up the mood there a little bit. But do we grieve over the things that grieve the heart of God, and do we even know what the heart of God is? And so from that very one verse, I hate the double-minded, but I love your commandments. That one verse, man, I could spend a month seeking out, God, what is, you know, looking, having eyes to see. God, is there something that's grieving your heart that I need to be doing something about? Are there sick that I'm not visiting? Are those in prison I need to go see? Are there, you know, is there hungry? Are there homeless that I need to go and, and minister to and be a part of? We can't, we can't fix all the problems. The poverty, the poor will always be with us. That's not the point. You know, the point is what am I doing? Where am I going? Where am I making a difference? Am I a little corner of the world? Um, to really reach out and change, um, change my community and grieve over the things that, that grieve God. James 1.27 says, true religion is this, that you take care of the widows and the orphans. And there are a ton of widows and orphans out there, and are we taking care of them? Are we considering them second-class citizens? One of the clients that I work with, the Barnabas Group, we're having somebody come in, Providence Worldwide Ministry, coming in next, next week, November 4th, at our breakfast, 10 days. And um, he, they have an orphanage in Honduras, and he said, he said, um, he was visiting with somebody down in that community, and it was a community leader, and just was talking about, you know, how this is before they had built the orphanage, how great the orphanages already are in Honduras. But they really are not that great. And, um, I mean, they're okay, but they're really not great. They're not what we would, and this is how he said it to him, would you allow your son or daughter to live here? And she said, I mean, she didn't answer. <laughs> because she knew the answer was no. So why do we treat orphans that just create more orphans most of the time if they're not raised. So, they, so they, that led them to build, build a home in Honduras. And, and so it's like, well, it's good enough. But really, would we live in those conditions? Even here in the States, would we live in that? You know, when we had Lifehouse, man, it was a, it was a very nice place. And we had nice stuff. You know, it, and so I love people coming and saying, this doesn't look like a shelter. I don't want it to look like a shelter. I want to take care of these people. as I, do, do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. So if I live like this, then, you know, hey, maybe I should help others live like this. And so take care of the widows and the orphans. So do we grieve over the things that grieve the heart of God? And as I mentioned earlier, the King James Version says vain thoughts. That's how they use double-minded, is vain thoughts. And it's, it's his, it all begins with the, our own thoughts. It begins with just simply an awareness of, hey, there, is this grieving God? Is this thing grieving God? And do we need to do something about it? 
So, anyways, back to Psalm 119. Verse 114. Um, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Good morning, Peg. You are my hiding place and my shield. God is our protection. He's my protection. He is going to protect us. And I thought this was, I love this, and this was um, Matthew Henry pointed this out. Um, he's our hiding place and our shield. And David, there were times that he, was, that he went to a cave and he hid, and that was a hiding place, and there were sometimes he held up a shield and it protected him. And the hiding place, it, 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 it's, it protects us from danger. You know, so that's so, you know, it's preventative grace kind of thing. It's, it, it, you know, I'm not going to get it. So I'm in the hiding place. I don't have danger. Danger's out there, but it's not attacking me. The shield is in danger. In the middle of our danger, the shield will protect us. So when do you use a shield? It's when you're in battle, hand-to-hand combat. Man, you got the shield up at that point. That's where it really comes from. And then, it, then to, to bring it down even more personal, he is our hiding place in our death. My life from death will be to protect it because of him. It's in the future. It's not even a battle. It's over. It's done with. You know, he's already had victory over death. And then, but then in our day-to-day existence, he's our shield from sin. He's our shield that will protect us from sin. And it's his word, and that's the only thing that will protect us from sin. Ephesians 6, you don't need to turn there. This is this, just this morning when I was listening, getting ready, I was listening to Beth Moore online. And she mentioned this, and I thought this was great. Ephesians 6. And the, um, the NIV says, above all else, Ephesians 6, 16. The NIV says, above all else. And um, the English Standard Version that I'm reading from, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. We will have fiery darts of the evil one being shot at us. And we, above all else, need to take that shield of faith. Partly for protection, but also, you know what the Bible says in Hebrews, that we can only please the Lord by faith. That's the only way we can please the Lord. And so pick up that shield of faith and believe Him in the Word. And we've got to hope in His promises. Again, we have to know His Word. And he, we can be assured of His protection as we know His Word and we know His promises. And that's protection both in the future from death and what's going to happen then, but also it's today. It's today. A friend of mine at the, at the wellness week, <clears throat> this Sandy, who got healed with her hip thing, she, um, this is a huge thing that really spoke to her, and it spoke to me, and so I'm going to use it for her. Because she used to say, those brownies were just calling my name. <laughs> and it was, and I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. The sauce is calling my name. The sauce is not necessarily, but the chips are calling my name that we put the sauce on. And so, you know, they're calling my name, and you know what? We're giving power to inanimate objects. They're not calling my name. And so Sandy tells her story. She was by herself in the house. She had cooked a pan of brownies for something. She had, you know, she had to make brownies for a bake sale or something like that. And she, she, <laughs> she walked, and this is so Sandy. I can so see her. She's about this tall. She walked over to this pan of brownies. She said, say something. Speak to me. You ain't nothing. You don't have anything. I mean, she just got all over the brownies. <laughs> you had you no power. No, she ate one. No, she didn't eat one. She did good. She didn't eat one, but isn't it? But, but see, don't get power to that, but just say, hey, I want a brownie, and I'm eating this brownie. Don't let it have power over you. You know, I wanted to, I just, I just had to gossip. I just had to tell that story. I just had to come back with that zinger that was hurtful. I just had to. No, we don't. We have the shield of faith that protects us from sin. 
Whatever that sin might be in our life, I just had to buy that outfit. Just had to. It was calling my name. Well, how many other outfits called your name that are still got the tags on? And go, you know, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, how many more? You know, I, um, I took three pairs of shoes down there. A pair of flip-flops, work boots, and tennis shoes. I came back with one, and I'm sure. I just came back with my flip-flops. And I'm sure I will not miss either one of those two pair of shoes. Not one bit. I won't. You know, I got more. I got more tennis shoes. No, but they don't have anything. They don't have anything. I said, do you think somebody can use these shoes? Yeah, they can use those shoes. They can use those shoes. So he's our hiding place and our shield, and we can grab a hold of that shield, and we can hope in his word, and we can have full assurance of his protection. We do not have to sin. That's powerful, guys. We do not have to sin, and he can protect us as we walk through that. Again, we could spend forever on that. Evaluating your own personal life. Okay, Lord, where am I really? Where do I need you to be my shield? Where am I really struggling? See, Vicky, where am I really struggling? Where do I continue to stumble? Where do I continue to trip myself up? Where do I continue to, to um, just to have my life off kilter here? Whether it's anger, whether it's, de- I mean, depression, and we've talked about that before. I think there's chemical problems too. But even, you know, am I just having a pity party? Do I really want to be made well? For me personally, am I really, I am disobeying the commandment of a Sabbath. I'm not resting. You know, the dirt rests every seven years. I keep telling myself, I keep telling y'all, maybe sometimes they'll stick with me. But, you know, we need to rest, you know, we need to rest more. You know, where are those things? And we can say, okay, God, I need a shield in that. What's my shield that I need to pick up? What's the word I can use to apply that, to put it in my life? The One of, our, one of the ladies at the Wellness Week who, um, who weighed, close to 400 pounds, she, um, she had lost just a pound that week that she was there. And she was pretty down, understandably. She was in my small group. And um, so I kind of earned the right to kind of get in her face a little bit. Not that I'm sure you're surprised that I would get in somebody's face. But, but I just, I mean, I was gracious and sweet and kind. I didn't, I wasn't, didn't use a harsh voice. I said, but I said, dear, you've got one or two choices here. We can either rejoice in the one pound loss and no gain, I mean, there's two things to be excited about that. I mean, I went to Honduras. You know, here's third world country. They're poor. You know, people dying on the, you know. I gained three pounds. I mean, good night they fed us so much. I mean, you know. And so, and of course, I had to, I didn't want to offend them, so I had to eat everything they gave me, right? <laughs> well, I didn't offend anybody, I'm telling you. But um, I said, you can either, you know, rejoice in the pound, and in three years, you'll be at 250. I mean, living great. I mean, great, I almost said living large, but living great. Living a wonderful, I mean, what a difference. Even 50 pounds will make in a year. We can rejoice. On, and you don't have to do anything different. Don't have to add more exercise. I mean, just, just do what you did this week. Do it again. Or we can come over here and say, this is stinks. It's awful. Why do I even bother trying? Then my future is bleak. My future's. You can hang out over here. And in three years, where are you going to be? 700 pounds? Where are you going to be? It's your call. It's your choice. Life or death. Black or white. That's it. It's just two areas to choose from. It's not kind of a gray area. Well, kind of, you know. Oh. And so I really think she's going to do it. At, at first, I didn't. The rest of that day, I wasn't quite sure. But I, by the time she left on the next day, I think that she's, she's going to do it. I'm really excited for her to do that. So anyways, what areas do we need a shield? And I started to say that because there were some verses that I then gave her. I said, okay, look, you're not, you're not defined by that, a number on a scale. That's not what defines you. That's not who you are. It's just a number, you know? And um, we like our numbers to be different sometimes, but it's just a number. It's not who you are. You know, who you are is in Christ. 
and being obedient in that. So, so anyways, uh, next verse, Psalm 115. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Man, this jumped out so big for me. Bad company corrupts good morals. And that's not just a Aesop's fable. That is in the scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says that exact thing. 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And so we need to be very careful about who we hang out with. Because if we hang around bad company a whole bunch, it's going to ruin our good morals, our good intentions. People will, oh, it's so much easier to pull someone down than it is to pull somebody up. And, if we, and that doesn't mean, you know, you know, that doesn't mean they'll never be in the world and we've got to have relationships with the lost. How can they come to Christ and all that stuff? But, Man, it's not my, that's not my hangout buddy. That's not who I want to spend all my life with, all my time with. Who are we spending? Man, are they lifting us up? Are they elevating us? Are they challenging us? You know, I want someone to say, Becky, man, you were off base. You really blew it. It happened this week, and I can't remember exactly what the situation was. But, yeah, I was so grateful that somebody said to me, Becky, that's not right. You know, the Lord really, and I had a friend really blessed me because she's, you know, I, I didn't plan to be the leader of the team, but I got a call Wednesday before I was supposed to leave on Saturday and um, from the team leader. And the team leader said, um, when he, he left a message, he said, Becky, I need your help on something. And so before, when I called him back, I was practicing in my mind, you know, no, Richard, no, Richard. I can't do it, Richard. You know, I'm too busy, Richard. You know, I can't do it. I mean, I was just ready to give the, the no. And I said, so, Richard, how can I help? He said, well, I just took my wife to the hospital, and, you know, she's fine. But he, had, he couldn't go. And he said, Becky, would you be the team leader? I'm like, oh. I was just going for fun. I mean, I'm not going, I don't want responsibilities. Um, but anyway, so, but I, when I started on, you know, in the States, I was a strong, aggressive, firm leader. And she said, that was no negative. That was what it needed to be. You know, on Saturday mornings, we're getting the chicks, you know, herding my cattle and cats or whatever and getting them on the plane. And, and, um, and she said, but as I watched the week, you became softer and more laid back and your style changed. And, and that really blessed me because I w- that's what I want more. I want more of the laid back style. I don't want this to the, the dictator, which I can be. I want that more laid back. So I appreciate that. So that was somebody in my life that can speak truth in my life there. Steve. We hang around people that don't speak truth or encourage us to do evil. It's going to be a mess. And it says, and, and I think it's important. I mean, David was, depart from me, you evildoers. And we need to just cut it off. Those relationships that are not encouraging us in, in the Lord, because that I may keep the commandments of God. If they do not depart from us, we will not keep the commandments of God. We will not. Bad company ruins good morals. 116. I mean, so again, we can look at our life and look at our friends, and we've talked about that before. Who are the friends in your life? Who are the folks you're hanging out with, and what are they doing, and how they're influencing you? And if you're the most spiritually mature person in your life, you need to get new friends. I mean, you need to get someone that's going to challenge. <laughs> we need, uh, you need to get our, you know, you don't have to lose the other ones, but man, find someone that's going to ch- that champion you and really drive you on. You know, that is really. Yeah, it's draining. It's draining. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> it is. You're killing me. Oh my gosh. You know, and then we just give up because we get tired emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever that might be. Man, get some new friends that just, it's just easy to walk in righteousness with them. I mean, you know, I mean, because they're going to walk in righteousness and, you know, I told somebody last night, I said, you know, you can vent with me, pastor's wife. And so she doesn't have anybody to vent, not our pastor's wife, but 
another friend who's a pastor's wife. And, you know, I mean, being a pastor's wife, you can't vent to anybody, you know? But sometimes you just need to vent. And she said, well, Becky, if I vent to you, then you're going you're gonna to correct me because I'm venting to you. <laughs> I said, I don't know, but I'll let you get through it. And then we'll get on the other side and say, okay, you know. But, yeah, we just need to vent and, you know, and walk in righteousness. And it's easier when we walk in those that are walking in righteousness and not hanging out with those who don't. And so, anyways. Um, one sixteen. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. What really spoke to me in that is trusting God despite doubt. Trust in God despite doubt. Because I think he was saying, you know, hold me up, um, uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me my, be put to shame in my hope. And it's almost like he was saying, you know, there's a, there might be a chance here that you might not uphold me. <laughs> and so, look, don't, don't, don't let me down here. And, of course, the thing I thought about was is the... The father who asked for his son, Jesus asked him, and I, we won't turn there, but it's Mark 9, 23 through 25, where, you know, Jesus, it was the, um, the father said, will you heal my son? And um, if you can, will you heal my son? And Jesus said, if I can, you know, don't you believe that I can? And the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. And that is, it's a great, that's a great prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. Carol Lewis, the director of First Place for Health, was talking to the lawn, the one who had the healing in her chest, and um, and and she said, you know, we're Baptists and we believe in healing. We just don't think he does it. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> and so I thought it was hysterical, you know. But it is, Lord. You know, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe you're going to heal me, but I'm scared. I'm anxious. You know, Lord, I know I believe you're not going to, you know, cause me shame in this. I believe you're going to come through because I feel like you've called me to quit my job, start a new business, whatever the thing might be. Don't cause me shame, you know, and really our heart is not as personally cause shame, but man, we're saying God told me to do this. God asked me to do this. God, do, you know, caused me to do this. And so when it doesn't come through, then it's going to mar the name of Christ, and that needs to be heart. Our heart is way more than that. And so, Lord, is the, is the area in my life that I'm doubting you, is the area that I'm not trusting you, I'm really giving you it all, and I'm still trying to work it. A friend of mine, um, she really struggles at receiving She's always giving, always serving, and, you know, she was on our team this week, and she, um, I mean, she was always first to help clear the dishes off, or the dishes would, the meals would come out, and she's out putting them on the plates, and it's just like, you know, hey, sit down, you know, let somebody else serve you, and then um, it was funny, the in-country guy, like Emilio, he was hysterical, he was great, and full of joy, full of joy, and um, Emilio really spoke into her, and just was like, you know, you're not, you're not trusting, you know. You're not releasing. You, you, you act like you're not worthy to be received. And you're worthy to have stuff given to you and received from other people. You know, where are we not trusting? Where are we doubting? And we need to pull those areas out. So, 117. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. He will keep us from stumbling and falling. That is wonderful. He will keep us from stumbling and falling. This, we absolutely, I have to turn to this. Jude which is, I think, after all the T's, right before Hebrews. Am I right on that? That's Philemon. Okay, it's back here right before Revelation. These one-page books kill me. Jude, <laughs> Jude uh, 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless or blameless before the presence of his glory and joy. Isn't it great that it's... it's it's not up to my self-will. It's not up to my determination. It's not up to my strength to uphold me. He will keep me from stumbling and falling. He will be the one that will say, hey, you know, no, I'm going to 
I've given you a way out, I've given you a way out, I've given you a way out, and I'm just snatching you out. He will keep us from stumbling and falling. And that is such a comfort. That's not, and it's not a, um, it's a comfort, but it's also not a, a license to just, you know, go buck wild. I mean, it is a comfort, you know, that, hey, he'll keep me from stumbling. So when we struggle, you know, I have friends that, you know, what church do we need to go to? And they've been trying to find a church for two years. I'm like, just go to a church. I mean, you know, God will show them, go, start going and get plugged in. And he, I mean, if Jesus is there and the word of God is being preached and they're biblically sound, it, it doesn't matter. Go to the one that's the closest if that's what you want. Go, you know, or the one furthest away, wherever. But just quit, just make a call. Quit being tentative. Go. He won't, I mean, this is not, how does God not answer that prayer? One of the uh, great couple, young couple on the, on the trip, um, he, he said, I was visiting with them because I had asked him what y'all's expectations are, why are y'all doing the trip, and on a five-hour drive to where we were going. And um, so we had lots of time visiting. And um, he said, you know, we're looking into possibly going on the field full-time, and we just want to check out Living Water International. And so, so later I asked him, I said, so what's going on, I mean, what's happening? And he said, you know, I've lived, I've lived for myself. You know, I've been very selfish for the past 10 years. You know, buy my house, build my kingdom, build my thing. And I just, I don't want to live selfishly. Any, I don't want to live selfish anymore. I want to live selfless. And I want to live for God. And I just thought that was great. How does God not want to answer that prayer? You know, God, show me how to live selflessly. I mean, God's like, oh, got it. Here we go. Line up. I'll start showing you. Now, is it easy? No. You know, is it still going to be challenging and difficult? They got to, yeah. But God loves answers. He, so he is for us. And so when we start walking down things, and if we're about to stumble or fall, he's going to snatch us up because he doesn't want us to stumble or to fall. Verse 118. We're going to fly through these last ones. You spurn all who go astray from their statues, for their cunning is in vain. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You spurn all who go astray from their statues. So we might think somebody's getting away with it. They ain't. They're not. Because in Galatians, and again, we won't turn there, six, which is a great story, Galatians 6, 6 through 8, talks about, you know, if you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction and death. You sow to the spirit, you reap life. And again, black or white, those are your choices, you know. And um, it's either life or death. That's it. That's where your choices are. And um, if, you, if people think that they're sowing to the flesh and they're, not getting, they're getting away with it, it's wrong. Psalm 73 is a great um, chapter, I think it's 73, somewhere in the 70s, where it talks about, you know, I'm looking at all these wicked people just getting away with everything, buying the big houses, and it doesn't look like anything bad ever happens to them. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, living in this little thatch-roofed shack over here, and my kids are sick, and I don't have a job, you know, whatever, all this is going on. And then he said, but then I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, and it all became real, because my heart was toward God, and these people's hearts aren't toward God. We will reap what we sow. And it's, I mean, it's a it's an agricultural term. If I plant an apple seed down here, you know, tomorrow I'm not going to get an apple tree. You know, I might get a, you know, a little twig in a week. But way down the road, I'm going to get a tree full of apples, full of seeds. If I plant an apple tree here, and I, I'm not going to get an orange tree down there. Whatever I plant, I will reap. Whatever I sow, I will harvest. And that's, those are the examples. And if we sow to the flesh, then eventually we will harvest to the flesh. We slow the spirit. And so there's some areas in my life I'm like, Lord, I ask for crop failure. 
Because there's times in my life where I've sown to the flesh, and I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, can I get some crop failure here on that? Lord, I don't want to have any harvest over there. Can we, like, root that up out of there? You know, get some weedy, get some Roundup on there and kill that stuff, you know? Because I have sown to the flesh. And I want, I want to, man, but hey, that stuff that I sow to the Spirit, man, I want a lot of it. Lots of seed. We, nobody will get away with anything. Which leads to the very next one, verse 119. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. Daniel 7, 9. He is the ancient of days. And he, and as I said before, no one is getting away with anything. Daniel 7, 9, and this is one of the visions that Daniel had after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did their thing. As I looked, thrones were were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the, day, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. Real quick, Ancient of Days, is a, it's, a, um, it's like the Supreme Court judge. It's a, it's, a ter- it's a legal term, and it talks about that he is the ultimate Supreme Court justice. He's it. He's the main guy. He's the judge. And Ancient of Days, what that means is that time for him is um, there is no time. Everything is the same. It's not like yesterday or earlier. And the, Beth Moore explained this, and I thought it was the best way I've ever heard anybody explain it, that it made sense to me. Imagine a heinous crime occurring 50 years ago. And, um, you know, whatever. We don't have to come up with something. But it's really a really yucky crime that really ruined this community, destroyed this community, and it was on people's hearts and minds for all these years. So that happened 50 years ago. Okay, now fast forward 50 years to the day, and so a lot of the people that were really emotionally, mentally, and physically affected by that crime, or even 100 years, are dead or it just has kind of weared off. The, the emotional energy and all that, the anger is not as great as opposed to if it would have been 50 years ago. Well, here we go. They've caught the guy. They found the guy using CSI, I'm sure, technology. They've <laughs> caught the guy. Okay. Now, the judge that sits on the court today wasn't there 50 years ago and wasn't emotionally enraged and mad about what was going on. And, and that, so, that's, so there might be a little different effects in the trial. Does that make sense? The ancient of days is this. He was there and was mad as fire 50 years ago, and he's there today, and he's still mad as fire about what's going on and is going to respond appropriately in his perfect justice and reply to that. Nobody is getting away with anything. And the full wrath. Because if they caught the guy the day after it happened, they probably would have to, you know, lock him up and, you know, because we'll be lynching him or shooting him. Or, I mean, we'd be committing crimes against him. Our anger would be so great. You know, 50 years later, they're not quite as, you know, it's just an old man now. You know, he was 20 then. He's 70 now. You know, how, you know. So, ancient of days. I think that's a great. Nobody's getting away anything. And then finally, 120. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgment. Our flesh. And what I mean by that, the flesh is being affected in sanctification. Our flesh is being affected in sanctification. And I've talked about this before, that we're three parts, and it's our, our, our soul, our, um, our spirit, and our body, our flesh. And that upon salvation, immediately we're justified, and our, our, our spirit is renewed, it's come to life, it's given a new birth, and I'm forever, ever justified, and my spirit will never, ever change. And then... Um, then my soul is being uh, sanctified, my mind, my will, and my emotions through here. But as my soul is being sanctified, my flesh is fighting against it because my flesh hasn't died. My body still fights. 
And we see that again and again. It's always amazing when people are, um, um, you know, near death and how they so fight for life. They'll fight and struggle against, you know, dying. Our flesh is so strong. And, but eventually our flesh will die. So as our soul is being sanctified, as, as we work on all these verses before, as, as we start seeking the Lord and changing the friends we hang around with and we start changing what grieves us and we start trusting Him more and quit doubting Him, our flesh is not liking it. And it trembles against it. It also means here that it's also awe. I mean, you know, I'm in awe of you. But I think it's real important for us. And our flesh hates it. And our flesh never gets better. We think our flesh gets better. Our flesh never gets better. Our flesh never, ever gets better. It will always crave what the world will give it. Our flesh will never get better. So um, Habakkuk 3.16. If I can find Habakkuk. I think it's right before... There it is, 316, right before Zephaniah. I hear my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters my bones, my legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quickly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invaded us. You know, our flesh will have actually a physical reaction to difficulties and struggles and challenges, both both, both when sin comes upon us, you know, or temptations, you know, I mean, we quiver, I mean, we want it. You know, we, people go through detox and they get the shakes. And that's a physical reaction. I mean, our bodies are crying out to that. But man, let's hang in there. You know, let's not give in to the flesh. Let's walk in the truth that God is available to do for us and be sanctified in our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we start changing our thoughts. We start changing what we want. And we start changing what we feel about what we want. Those are the things. So, so this week I would just really encourage you just to take four, eight verses. I don't know. Grab two verses. And sit down and say, Lord, write them out. Read them, meditate on them. Lord, speak to me in this verse. Show me something. Talk to me. Because he will speak to you in his word. And he will reveal that to you. And um, it's such my heart. You know, I love the word. And I love for you guys to be in the word. So let me pray and then we can scoot. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are and that you're king of kings and lord of lords. And nothing is too difficult for you. Thank you for this class. And I thank you for their attentiveness and their willingness to learn and to to hear from you. And so, Lord, Father, I just pray that the words that I spoke today would be transformational. Lord, I pray that they would go down deep in their souls and that they would um, seek you more and more. Lord, we thank you for um, those that are here as well as those that are not here, Father, and uh, for Carolyn and, and Colleen is who I'm thinking about, Lord, just wherever they are today, Lord, just bless them, minister to them. Lord, I pray that we would be transformed. I pray that even um, that each one of us this week would, uh, would just re- be in your word and, and receive something from you and know, man, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me, and I heard the voice of God. And um, we'll give you all the glory for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.